This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we summon Mr. Veeam himself, Michael Kay, to talk about Veeam's latest release and the growing partnership with NetApp. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. On the phone with me today, the uh, incorrigible Glenn Sizemore. Hi. I'm very incorrigible today. Oh, so too. incorrigible. You can encourage Just... me to talk more about partner solutions, particularly data protection ones. I, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, okay. I, I don't well, want to. I, guess uh, I, I don't want to incur your wrath. Okay. Well, what do you what do you want to do then, Justin? What are we here Let's for? Let's see. Um, you know, I've really been having a hankering to talk about Veeam lately. Uh, I don't know why, because that'd be really random and weird, but I, I, I do. And and I've summoned the Veeam evangelist, Michael Cade. Hi, Michael. Hi, Justin. Hey, he Hi, appeared Glenn. out of nowhere. Wow. He's like the Great Gazoo. <laughs> That's boy. I'm dating myself. Do, do you remember the Great Gazoo? Does anyone remember that? No. No. From, no. from Flintstones? <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, the Flintstones reference is making me dig. Maybe, but no. Yeah, no. so um, just some backstory. Uh, Gazoo was a little green alien <laughs> that the Flintstones would hang out with. Um, and really what happens in every TV show that I've noticed that's starting to go on the downward swing and starting to like fade out is they bring in something like a Gazoo. Um, a good example of this would be, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Growing Pains. <laughs> or, or or perhaps Fonzie jumping over a shark? Yes. Yeah, so stuff like that. I mean, they, they, they add that into the show at the end just to kind of try to keep it alive just a little longer. Or uh, Poochie from The Simpsons, but that was just more of a gag. Anyway, I digress. Michael This Cade, is the hi. kind of on-track, <laughs> focused conversation you can expect on the Tech on Tap I podcast, I did not Michael. waste any time to take this off the rails. I'm on top of my game <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Michael Cade, hi. Tell us about yourself, what you do, where you're from. Yeah, so I've just recently moved over within Veeam to a global technologist role, so within product strategy, but been a massive NetApp fanboy for the last 10 years, part of the NetApp A-team, um, really advocate around what NetApp are doing around, more recently around the data fabric and the, the whole message in there and the, the actual products that are starting to come to life uh, and, and actually become a data fabric and the offerings are for real now. But um, yeah, so I work for Veeam around availability. So backup of your virtual infrastructure, but more recently around being able to protect that that any any app, any data, on any cloud is our is our um, tagline, if you if you will. So yeah, I'm over there around doing stuff around technical reports, around any any shows, alliance shows that we have with you guys. So just recently in at NetApp Insight, I had the breakout session or one of the breakout sessions where we discussed around what's coming in in ver- version ten of our our um, availability suite. Wow, you really awesome. are you're, you really are um, heavily nestled and snuggled into that ten thousand thread data fabric there. So you're you're very cozy there, <laughs> just wrapping <laughs> wrapping it around you. Exactly that. All right, so um, Michael, uh, we we didn't bring you on here just to to talk about the gazoo. Uh, we brought you here to talk about Veeam ten or is it V ten or Veeam ten? Are, are you guys rebranding that? How's that working? 
Yeah, so Veeam Availability Suite 10. So it consists of two products. One is the Veeam Backup and Replication, which is around the backup and replication of virtual machines. And then Veeam One, which is our monitoring reporting type solution. So bundle them two together and you get the Veeam Availability Suite. Version 10 will be here in 2018. We've got a, a more recent, it, it will be coming out before the end of the year is 9.5 update three, where we'll bring in the ability to manage those physical hosts, agent management, as well as the universal storage API. But version 10 is really where we we get a bit closer with the NetApp world um, around some of the features. Hey, before before we get into v, uh, V10, which I do want to dive into because I think that's the where where a lot of the excitement's going to come in. Could you explain what that universal storage API is? What does that actually do? So, from our point of view, we've always developed we've developed in-house our storage integrations with the likes of you guys and other vendors across the ecosystem. So, what that is very it's a long process. It means that we can't deliver that integration point as fast as we want or as fast as the the customers want. So what we've done is we've we've created an SDK full of these these APIs that do exactly the same thing, like calling calling snapshots via um, VMware, as well as snapshot orchestration around on-demand sandbox for storage snapshot, or as in the NetApp world, I'd call that flex clone on steroids. Yeah, uh, so the ability to do that, but now we're giving this SDK out in a controlled fashion to storage vendors. So to be able to work through and get those same APIs, just to make that a bit more from a table stakes point of view, because ultimately what we've done from that backup from storage snapshots is remove that VM snapshot pain point when it comes to high IO virtual, uh, yeah, high IO VMs. So SQL database, any database server really. And if you're using the traditional VMware snapshot, then you're potentially going to run into that VM stun. So the whole point of our integration point with any storage is the ability to remove that VM stun process or that consolidation time. So that's really, so off the back of that, the storage vendor will create or yeah match up those APIs. And then with that, it will come back into our QC. So we'll quality control that before it's then released out to the to the to the world in a in a version independent manner as well. So it won't be reliant on Veeam 9.5 update three or version 10 or version 11, whatever whatever the cadence is. It won't be it won't be having to it won't be attached to that that update. Awesome, man! Just sounds like you guys have done some uh, some some. Sensible refactoring and reorganization, just to to readjust to the realities of your current scale and customer installation base. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Cool. So let's talk about V10 then. So yeah, so as I said, V10 there's quite a lot. We announced this back in back in May, which seems like ages ago, um, at Vmon in New Orleans. And the one of the key things and the the one of the key uh, items that's being released is the the NAS backup. So for all of the all of your SIFS um, users, SMB users out there, the ability to back up those those file shares, so scalable SMB or NFS backups, SIFS backups, being able to put a a data protection schedule around those, which we've never been able to do. It's coming from a, a NetApp world before before joining Veeam and then becoming an SE within Veeam, the biggest 
pain point for me was always going into these NetApp shops where I'd absolutely advocate about Beam as well as NetApp and then being asked about those those SIF shares and me having to say, yeah, we don't have anything to protect those. So, But what we had to do was make sure it was right. So we wasn't just going to develop the next NDMP solution to be able to back up those 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 file shares. So actually being able to offer a different way of, of protecting those those file shares. But the key is it's not NDMP today or it won't be NDMP on, on first release. So what that does though is it'll give us the ability to restore to a completely different NAS share. It's not reliant like NDMP is. So we can restore to anything really. So taking that completely out of the, the picture that we have with um with NDMP. Also being able to restore that whole in, entire NAS back from that that disk, that disk repository that we have um, and, and obviously restore individual files. Now the key thing to this as well is that we, we know that we want to keep that 7, 14, 30 day type retention as close to pos as close to that production data as possible for really fast restores in exactly the same manner we do with virtualization. And I'll touch on something called the archive tier shortly, which will give us the ability to leverage um, object storage for really long term archive and compliance type type use cases. So yeah, so SIF's really important to me. I think that's probably one of the biggest features that's coming in version 10 from from my point of view, and I think from the whole Veeam plus NetApp NetApp piece. So so Michael, when we say that it's not going to be NDMP, does is this leveraging NetApp snapshots in any way, or are we doing streaming uh, backups to the Veeam data stores? Yeah, so it'll be a streaming backup. Um, I don't know the ins and outs from a, a change block tracking, but I'm aware that there there will be an element of change block tracking, so we're not having to pass the whole file share because that just simply wouldn't be scalable. But it's not on on version ten. It will not be using the the storage snapshot um, capability, but it's definitely something that's being being looked at. Yeah, I, I, even for for customers who uh, don't who who don't go that route, I, I still imagine that that snapshots, particularly for their SMB shares, uh, and the ability for uh, Windows users in particular just to use previous previous version integration to to self restore uh, individual files, particularly from those those. Uh, user shared directories, that functionality can just continue to be used in place. Really what we're talking about is adding an actual backup. You know, let's change the data format, let's change the data storage format, put in an actual catalog in front of it so that in those actual disaster and or, oh crap, we deleted this directory six months ago. Turns out there was stuff in there we needed. Uh, there is a way to get it back. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole the snapshot using the benefits of your your storage snapshots within ONTAP, and then using us for that that second media type, that different whether that's an E series or some sort of of disk that's next to that that production system. But yeah, it's a different media type, and that's the key from a from a backup point of view. So yeah, protecting you against those those failure scenarios. So the next thing that I was going to mention is is not again not necessarily affiliated to NetApp, but what it will give is. So it will be the CDP functionality, the feature that's coming in version 10. So CDP, continuous data protection, it's going to allow us to hook into the, the VMware VAIO and stream that data to get that near synchronous 
VM image image level over to a secondary site. So rather than going to that 15 minute type RTPO, um, we're actually going to be able to get down to the sub second type type play. So being able to give you that near synchronous replication on, on a VMware estate. I was just going to ask that that uh, CDP integration that that is uh, based off vSphere itself and not some plugin. So that means that this would work with any version of storage, right? To include NetApp HCI. Yeah, absolutely. So it uses the VAI, VAIO API plugin from VMware, the certified, and will be certified with with VMware on that. And that again, that will be coming in version ten. But yeah, it will just as the IO hits the filter, we will catch that and we will send it over to the secondary site. I guess it'll get. This is really there for those platinum VMs that you that, and this is probably a good place to to caveat that is that if if you could do that near synchronous or synchronous replication from the application layer, things like Exchange or SQL, which we we know we can do from an app level or a, a operating system level, then we completely, same as you guys would suggest, do it there. But if there's some sort of application or OS that doesn't allow for that, then this is where that will hit that platinum tier of application to get it over to that secondary site with that sub-second fail over time. So I heard you throw out some acronyms, and it made me remember that we have not made you do your 3-2-1 pitch. So um, take it away, Michael. 3 two, one. what is it? <laughs> so... Basically, three two one is three copies of your data. So, in the in let's say we've got that that on tap system running on premises. That's our first copy of our data. We can leverage the snapshots in there as well. That still counts as that first copy of our data. Then we have a, a second tier of media. With, let's say it's an E series for this example, and that will keep our seven fourteen thirty day type retention, but completely different to the on tap media, if you will. And that will contain the backups for that 7, 14, 30 days. Then, so that's the three and the two. The the one is an off-site copy in a, uh, and away from that. So that could be another E-series or it could be an Altavault or it could be us tearing to, to a, a, another system as long as it's in an off-site position. So if you think about the common failure scenarios, failure scenario one is we lose a file or a virtual machine dies on on premises. We don't want to have to invoke DR for the whole site and bring it up in that secondary location. So that's why we have that 7, 14, 30 days because it's going to be really fast to recover from that and that's going to be sat next to that production system. Failure two is something happens to that that production infrastructure. So then we can start leveraging that, that E-series, for example, to spin up the workloads and we can get out of jail very fast. It might only be that one node's maybe gone down, but we need to spin up these virtual machines from from this storage. Then you've obviously got the catastrophic failure of a whole site or a power outage or something along that lines in that on-premises. And this is why we have that DR situation where potentially there's another on-tap system or potentially this off-site E-series. And that gives us the ability to spin up in a secondary location, as well as that might be doubled up as a, a longer term retention so that might be that seven plus up to 90 days or it might be up there for a year and then i'll come on to something called the archive tier which will allow you to go further um further in terms of retention later on 
but that's really the three, two, one. And then you could, we could be cheesy and use a bit of marketing here and, and put a zero on the end because we're able to take those backups or the snapshots, spin them up in an isolated bubble, run the tests against the VM, the app, and the OS, and then a report gets sent out to your backup admin to say, yep, all your virtual machines in that application group are in a great state. And that's fully automated using Sure Backup or Sure Replica. So being able to test the backup as well as the replica over in that secondary location. So that's my flex clone on steroids, if anyone's heard or read anything about that. Yeah, so I mean, I, I made you do that partly because it's funny, because I like to make you do that every time we go on here. <laughs> but also because um, it's showing what Veeam is really evolving into. Because if I recall, Veeam was mainly just virtualized machine backups, and now it's SMB and NFS shares. You know, I mean, we're really turning Veeam into something that is a, a formidable force in a backup arena, right? Yeah, I guess just over a year ago, um, Veeam ticked over the 10-year-old, but we were really renowned for that virtualization backup on VMware and Hyper-V. We never had a physical play. We never had anything to do with NAS backup. We had what we had, and that was very much our, our portfolio as such was Veeam backup and replication, and it was Veeam 1, and it was Management Pack, which offers a similar monitoring reporting, but leverages System Center from that, that point of view. So that was kind of it. And then a year ago, last August, we announced that the the rest of the portfolio, so physical agents for Windows, physical agents for Linux, and that doesn't just mean agents for those physical workloads. Yes, people still have those physical constructs within their data center, but also think virtual machines that run Windows and Linux in Azure, in AWS, in Google, in IBM, software, uh, Bluemix or cloud or whatever they've called called it now. But be, being able to protect those instances with these agents because we have no no way of getting into the underlying hypervisor within those within those public clouds. Then being able to extend that out to our, our reseller community with our Cloud Connect backup as a service initially, and then DR as a service, being able to take away that um, CapEx, that capital expenditure on a secondary site, and actually be able to leverage a, an OpEx model to just send your backups into, or send your replicas into that, into your trusted MSP. And then also Office 365, so the ability to back up the uh, Office 365 using the same tool set that we have today within Veeam Backup and Replication, using Veeam Explorer for, for Microsoft Exchange, and being able to run a, a protect using the same tools that we that we have for our virtual workloads as well as as well as the SaaS and the, the agents, and really coming to the end of this year and the beginning of 2018, you can start to see that that interface looking after all of that same. So the same, I'll, I'll use something that Sully's mentioned a lot on here is is simple. It's very simple to use Veeam. The 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 interface is very simple, but I guess in in terms of what Sully said in the past is about it's usable. It's not very simple. A light switch is very simple. It's very usable, but it's very complex under the hood because it's yeah. giving you the same frontage as as all of the other uh, in front of all of that technology. I didn't know you guys had gotten into the SaaS business and were backing up Office three sixty five mailboxes. That's a huge step, man. Yeah, yeah. So we just released one point five version one point five, which is a bit more sc scalability. Really, is what what we've brought to the table there, but also the ability to allow our service provider to now offer backup of Office 365 mail 
Version 2, which will be, again, 2018, will also give us the ability to, to look after SharePoint Online as well as OneDrive. So you can see that that play playing out there as well. So as as the, the Veeam Data Availability Suite becomes a potential one-stop shop for our, our joint enterprise customers to, to oversee their entire data state, uh, I imagine this archive tier that, that we have been hinting at becomes more and more important. It's probably time that we dig into this. Yeah, so the, so the archive tier is an extension of something we have called scale-out backup repositories. So if you think of our scale-out backup repository, it's just somewhere where we put these, these backup files. But what that allows us to do is tier our backups. So, for example, if we have a tier of NAS, a tier of SAN, potentially a dedupe device, potentially some SSD that we can pull together. And what this allows us to do is pull these together into one large extent and allow us to send these backups accordingly into there. So obviously from an incremental point of view, they sit really well on a on an SSD tier. Um, whereas the full backups, they'd thrive on a NAS or on a, a global dedupe device. So we can pick and choose what backup files go where. So that, that's the first, that's part of that three, two, one rule. Now, an extension to that is the archive tier. So that's a, a, a policy that's based on that scale out backup repository that will move the oldest backup files from that primary backup storage to these archive extents. So this is generally, they're going to be backed by less expensive. They could be usually slower storage but it also gives us the ability to natively go to object storage. So whether that be AWS S3, AWS Glacier, or Microsoft Azure Blob Storage, it will also give us the ability to go to any S3 or Swift compatible object storage. So in the likes of the, the whole data fabric piece, the ability to send those backups on a policy-driven uh, approach out to something like a, a storage grid web scale so that you're you have the data sovereignty, you know exactly where it sits, you own that object storage construct, and we're just sending those archival and compliant backups off to that, that object storage, as well as being able to go off to tape, to any dedupe device at that for that, uh, um, uh, and any really um, low performing disk at that point as well. So this is not part of that 321, this is really for that archival and compliance and the ability to leverage the, the S3, the object storage type um, type play. I assume uh, when, when we say that it's policy-based, that means that I can set up my traditional you know, father-son, grandfather rules and it'll automatically just take the appropriate data sets when they age to the right point and move them from whatever tier they're currently stored on onto that more cost-effective. And then over time, the, 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 the Veeam software is just going to keep uh, those those data sets on the right cost-effective tier without the administration team having to get in there and do anything? Yeah, exactly that. So we're either going to move the the, the sealed VBK file, which is our, our file format for our full backup files. So we're only going to send full backup files up into this, this object storage or this tier of storage, this archive tier. Um, it's either going to be based on a move policy, so whether it an age retention. So after 90 days, we want to drip these into the archive tier. We've also got a pretty cool feature that will keep an eye on that and on the on the repository. And if that becomes eighty or ninety percent full, you can set that percentage. Then we'll automatically move the oldest file into the archive tier. So, because what we don't want to happen is for that primary backup storage to fill up, 
meaning that we're not getting a good backup, we'd rather, or let's move it already into storage grid and free up some primary backup storage tier to continue the, the the whole availability of that that data. So we'll do that automatically for you, or you can untick it if you want to be able to manage that. And the other thing is copy. So as soon as that VBK file is finished and sealed, then we'll just copy it straight up. So it is another copy of that that full backup in whatever that archive tier is on your in your estate. Ooh, I like that option. That's that's the uh, that's the rich man's one, right? So being able to send any VBK file up there at, as soon as it's sealed, we're going to send that up. Whereas the move is more of a a uh, concise way of saying. Okay, so every ninety days, I want this full backup to be sent up into into the object storage or into this archive tier. All right, so uh, Veeam can back up. Um, we we assume it can restore. <laughs> um, so, what about ransomware? How is it handling things like ransomware in terms of you know the backups and the restores, and you know can it protect against ransomware or, or maybe help restore against ransomware? And is it actually is it able to be immune from things like ransomware attacks on itself? So the quick answer, no, we're not immune from it, um, but we can help recover. We don't prevent it either because that's a, a, it's a security job. We, we Yes, we can look after the data, but very much so the VBK file that I've previously mentioned, VIBs, our incrementals are still files and they can still be encrypted. And actually there's been some flavors of ransomware out there that's actually tried to get in and and affect our our um our backup files but when it comes to that is that it's about how we place that that backup repository and where it sits so we have a concept of air gap or the whole world should have this concept of air gap from a backup point of view and what that means is it's not sat on the same network or it's not accessible via network to this backup repository. Tape's a great example. At the end of the day, you take the tape out, it goes off to a massive data warehouse somewhere, and that's where it's stored. There is no way, unless I pick that tape up, put it back into the library, that I can get anything from that tape. So great example of an air gap. We can do similar things with disk, i.e. we can run scripts, but it's not, it's not, legitimately air gap like that tape version things like public cloud is another good way of segregation of of uh, networks or vlan seg segmentation type thing is being able to just make sure that because if you think about ransomware it's we've lived we've lived with ransomware or adware or spyware whatever it was when we first got into computers and we had to clean them the laptop off of of all this uh, adware spyware type stuff it's just now that they've they've got clever and they're starting to charge money and they're encrypting the the files with it, right? So it's exactly the same. Is that if that if that file can come in and it can traverse the whole network, including SMB shares, including VMs, etc., then the VBK file, if that's accessible via a, a backslash backslash, then they're going to be encrypted. So it's about just education out to users, out to partners, et cetera, to be understand that that's the case. But we've got some best practices around keeping that that as air-gapped as pos possible using um, different authentication methods, network segmentation, as I mentioned, th just things like that to make sure that you are protected as best you possibly can from that. When it comes to recovery, obviously, yeah, 
anyone can do backup. Backup's the easy part. It's all about the recovery, though. Thanks for teeing me up there, Justin, with that as well. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to recovery, so what we can do with, in particular with NetApp, because we can orchestrate those snapshots at both the primary and the secondary, is a snapshot is a great um, recovery point against ransomware because, again, there is no way of getting into that snapshot in an easy, easy way for that for that ransomware file or Trojan to get in. So one thing, we can take those application consistent snapshots throughout the day without any real impact to that that to the environment. So then we can use that as our first port of call from a recovery point of view. So really fast recovery point objectives. Then from a backup, if we can go back before the ransomware was attacked, then obviously we're all good and we just need to update our systems and we need to make sure that that's good. I come back to the the sandbox environment, so the sure backup, being able to spin that up, but rather than it being automated and we test against the VM, the app, and the OS, the ability to spin it up and then let a manual person come in and verify that the workload is in a good state. So is it actually before the, the ransomware file has been has attacked the system or not? And then we can, rather than just cherry picking what restore point we need to go to, we can actually go in and manually verify that before we before we go back so and then we can still do that with individual items mail items if it's if that's how it's come through and that yeah so there's there's always a and there's lots of case studies that we've that we've got out there around ransomware it, it yeah i mean this is really just all about defense in depth right and and anytime the more vendor ecosystems you can get into an into a strategy that is kind of one way to get depth because often exploits aren't going to work across those 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 uh, various different ecosystem components so you know in this particular instance let's stay in in the traditional nas world having an object bridge is kind of a big deal right because that's a whole nother level of an exploit to be able to go in there and discover, oh, well, I also need to get access to this object system and where am I going to get the API key and how do I get there? It just, the complexity involved starts to go through the roof from, from an exposure perspective and, and you can assume a reasonably safe position. Yeah, exactly that. And it is really about protecting all areas of that data. So yes, from our point of view, it's a, we can educate and we can help prevent in terms of we don't want any backup files. I don't, I, yeah, I work for Veeam, but I'd, I'd rather not let anyone have their backup files encrypted. It's just the, it's just not nice. So, but so prevention is, is the key education will help against that. And then also being able to remediate if, if the worst does happen is how fast can we remediate to get back before one, you don't want to pay that ransomware. But two, you don't want to lose the data either. So it's how fast we can bridge that gap from either recovering from the first primary backup or secondary backup, or even go into that archive tier and bring that back from there. So you've got the lines of defense hopefully lined up with from a backup point of view. Well, Veeam sounds pretty awesome. Um, the only question I have now is where do I get one? <laughs> so where can you buy your Veeams from? Yeah, where can I get my uh, Veeams? So can I get them on the interwebs? <laughs> so one of the big things or the big announcements uh, on day one, two, three of, of Insight in, uh, 
in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago was that we're going to be added, Veeam are going to be added to the, the NetApp price list. So what that means is that everything I've just spoken about, so the Veeam availability suite or solutions will be added onto that, that NetApp price list. I guess what that means is that customers can now, or partners can leverage that. If you're not even a Veeam partner today, you can leverage that same model that you use to purchase your NetApp kit or, or software from you can use that to purchase Veeam alongside everything else as well. So, but directly from NetApp and, and the resellers within that. So I guess what that what that brings is just a simplicity uh, piece of, you know, it's very simple to order uh, and fulfill those, that NetApp and Veeam compatible, compatible solutions. That's the, the key behind us joining that, that resell agreement is, both be it, we're, we're so tightly into that data fabric and powering that from a Veeam perspective is that it was important that we were in in that in it together and we we can be an option now to to any NetApp customers or partners out there to just bolt on top to to perform that availability of the, of the data okay so essentially it's like a checkbox i can click in my sales request i don't i don't sell things so i don't know but yeah it's like a line item i guess now that's i'm the same as you justin so yeah i don't i that's what i assume i assume it will be on things like quote edge and being able to just see it as if it was a, a net app product okay we'll yeah just like uh you know brocade switches or or any of the other uh, oem equipment that that or, or, or software reseller agreements that we have with our partner ecosystem so that's a good point, Glenn. So it's not an OEM because the support still comes through us. So you, yeah. yes, you're buying the SKU from from NetApp through NetApp, whether that be a reseller or a, or directly. But ultimately, the the support contract doesn't go through NetApp. It will come directly to to Veeam. So yeah. that's the probably the nice thing as well is that is is you've still got that segregation of support to be able to still come to whatever whatever vendors is required yeah and if you want support on veeam you can hit up michael cade on twitter at michael cade one <laughs> cheers justin yes. <laughs> yes that is that is the first stop for all veeam support anything that's for broken any michael cade will fix it <laughs> just kidding Thanks, justin. just kidding there's an actual support line please don't bother michael he'll never talk to me again <laughs> Plus, he's also a very large man, and I think I have to see him in Berlin. So, <laughs> no, I'm not there. Oh, you're not there. I'm okay, a, good. No, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in India. Oh, for that okay. Week. Well, good. I can just talk all. Yeah, the you smack can say whatever you want and do whatever, whatever want. you want to this. In recording. a year, you'll forget about it and be okay with me again. Yeah, less than a year, mate. We'll be in. Uh, oh yeah. We'll have our ETL. ETL. All right. Cool. All right, Michael K., thanks so much for joining us today to talk about Veeam's new release, V10, as well as the new NetApp Veeam partnership where you can actually sell Veeam through NetApp. Uh, Michael Cade, if we wanted to get in touch with you, how would we do that? So on Twitter, I'm at Michael Cade one and I also have a, a blog, like I said at the start, about being a bit of a NetApp fanboy. So vzilla.co.uk, where I've put quite a bit of content out there around some NetApp stuff as well as Veeam and NetApp stuff. That's good that you're actually doing your job. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Michael Cade. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp.com. 
As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via TechOnTechPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tech podcast team, I'd like to thank Michael Cade, Mr. VZilla, for joining us today. Thanks for listening. So, um, can my Veen cook breakfast? Oh, yeah. No, that's one thing that we haven't brought into the uh, the portfolio yet. So that's V11, right? Potentially. Obviously, I can't say about any any future <laughs> versions. You can't give me roadmap items on pancakes? Is it just me no. that's getting off on this? It's too bad. negative. Oh, yeah. You can tell I hadn't eaten enough breakfast this morning. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Cheers, guys. I think of anything funny.